There we go. All right, we are live. This is Through the Pines, a financial planning podcast with the down-to-earth vibe Sasquatch would fight Boba Fett for. Have you seen? Have you watched the episode yet, either one of you? No? I haven't seen it yet. Okay, well, I won't give it away. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the Mandalorian series, and so I tuned into the Boba Fett thing, and it's okay. It's all right. I'm on board. I'll keep watching for a minute. We'll see how it goes. This is episode 13, and we're going to be covering financial planning basics. So things like what is a financial plan? Where do we keep money? What do we do with 401ks? What are 401ks? Uh, how do we deal with IRAs? And how do financial planners get paid? So we'll cover all those things. Let's jump right into the first question. We are with our financial wizards this week, Rex Baxter, Brandon Smith, and possibly Dan Nelson if he jumps on the call. Uh, Rex Baxter and Brandon here to start the call. So Brandon, walk me through the, the basic steps of a financial plan. Yeah, so, so when you do a financial plan, probably the most important part of a financial plan is understanding where your cash flows are at. Um, and I know that sounds basic, um, but for years, I mean, I've been doing, been in the industry 11 years, the last eight years really focused on financial planning. And, and you know, at first I, I used to, you know, I'd send someone home with an Excel spreadsheet and say, hey, document all your expenses. We'll figure out how much you need to live on retirement. And, that didn't seem to work. We we had like that. That shocks me. That shocks me. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't, right? And we get people making incredible incomes. They come back with a straight face, say, "Yeah, I, I need three thousand dollars a month to live in retirement." I'm just like, I just know that's not right. And mm. so, um, what I actually eventually kind of came to and developed was I would take their income and I'd figure what type of income, right? Is it W two? Is it self employment? How how is it being taxed? I'd take their income, I'd back out how much they're spending on their mortgage, right? What are you paying towards your mortgage? What are you saving in towards retirement? And what are your taxes? And those are kind of the three big things that change. Everything else is getting spent, right? Unless you've got a savings account growing, which we'd account for. Um, everything else is getting spent. And, and that has become one of the most powerful tools in financial planning, just because from that point, we can literally figure out, okay, this is what it takes, right? Is it 5,000 a month? Is it 6,000? Is it 10,000? Is it 20,000? Whatever it is, we can take that dollar amount, project it into perpetuity, adjusting for inflation, adjusting for market returns, adjusting for taxes, and really tell someone confidently, you are living on this, right? You are living on $8,000 per month today. And this is how everything else works into that. How do we take social security, incorporate it? How do we take um, 401k distributions? Do we need to be changing those distributions from traditional to Roth? Do we do conversions up front? Um, but it really starts to work just beautifully as it all comes together. The other thing I might just throw in there is, and I think one of the reasons I like my job is 99% of the time, it seems people's situation is dramatically better um, than what they think it is. Right. They, they look at their numbers and they say, man, we're, you know, we're, we, we've got 500,000 in savings, but we're making 200,000. You know, how is this even going to come together? Um, but once you put in Social Security, once you back out and figure out when the mortgage gets paid off, um, once you realize the reduction in taxes, it all really comes together pretty smoothly. So that's a financial plan for retirement. Um, how does that affect your living in the now? 
Yeah, that's probably the best question. Um, I find that sometimes clients have an underlying amount of stress when it comes to spending. They're making fantastic money. Um, they're putting good amounts towards retirement, and yet they still feel this guilt when it comes to buying a car, when it comes to spending on vacation. And when you can really dial that back and say, this is what you're actually spending, and this is what it's going to take to get you to retirement, which is a lot of times a lot easier than they realize. And then you can really put a pinpoint on the surplus and say, what you know, you've got an extra this much. And, and you can spend that every year and confidently spend it because we know that we've set aside enough to get you into retirement. And here are the assumptions, right? We need to get this percent rate of return on your on your investment accounts. We need you to, you know, live on this. I mean, it's really, but that is the now is where you, it just kind of sets you free, right? For the first time, and I can't tell you how many times I've met with people who, you know, after these planning meetings, it's the first time they feel like they're actually winning financially. They've been doing the right stuff all along. They just haven't felt it. And because they haven't felt it, they haven't been able to enjoy, you know, the, their cash flow, enjoy their income. And so it's kind of, it's fun to watch people um, work their way through that. Yeah. Brandon, repeat those basics again, what you're looking for to calculate. Um, you're looking at inflation, market returns, debt payoff. What else? Taxes. Um, but but it's not really limited to that. It's any number of things, right? Mm. If, if there's a cabin purchase down the road, if there's um, hobbies, if there's travel, we can we can input all of that into the plan. Um, but as far as cash flow goes, to really calculate that, I just need to know what your income is. And I can pull that off of a pay stub or, a, you know, off your taxes. Um, most people kind of have an idea of what they're making gross annually, right? But if we can get that gross income, what type of income it is, which is a, usually pretty simple to find. I calculate the taxes, right? I'll, I'll calculate what your federal, state, social security, Medicare taxes are. We'll look up your property taxes, right? So that's all taken care of. I want to know what your mortgage is, how much are you going to spend um, on a mortgage and how much longer do we have, right? We frequently see people get mortgages that aren't paid off at retirement and they'll bleed into retirement five to 10 years. And that's not a big deal as long as we've planned for it. Um, so I need your mortgage, your income. I need to know how much you're saving towards retirement, right? Because you're not spending that portion. And uh, I think that's it. So <laughs> I mean, everyone has little things here and there that we go through, but but that's the main part. And then based on age, I guess that helps determine how much someone needs to be setting away for retirement. I mean, all the yeah, other that's where stuff, the assumptions. Age. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's where the projections and assumptions come in. You know, you're, you're this age. How long do we have until retirement? How much do we need to save? What do those savings look like? And we can really a financial plan isn't one static number where I say, all right, save this amount. Right. Typically, it's putting in all their data. And then having them ask us to run, you know, 10 scenarios. What if I did this? Or what if I did this? And they see, they can essentially see what their financial plan is and push it, right? And, and do different things and, and see how it moves and how it adjusts. And, and when, when you go through that process, you walk out the other side and you understand your full capabilities. You're only going to choose, you know, one or two paths from there, but, but you know what you're capable of. And that's probably the most empowering part, right? You, I can't, I'm, I can't believe how many life-changing decisions I see happen 
in the months that follow a financial plan, a good financial plan, because they finally, for the first time, understand their capabilities and 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 the universe or the world that is open to them. And and it's kind of fun to watch that. Okay, I'm going to ask an impossible question before I let Rex in here real quick. What is the average amount of money, broadly speaking, that people are going to need for retirement? One million, two million, five hundred thousand. I mean, I know mm-hmm. it's I know it's like an incredible range, but like if you had to pin it down between a certain amount of what the majority of people are making, um, where would that be? It is so incredibly dependent on your spending. And that has been like the most mind boggling thing from the day, you know, 11 years ago when I walked into finance, that was probably the most mind boggling thing to wrap my mind around is how many people are living on 2000 and just need that 2000. How many people are living on four, six, eight, 20, 25,000, like literally I've done plans where people have needed a minimum of $20,000 a month to live on. And, and what's, what's crazy about that is it just comes down to what is the lifestyle you've gotten used to. And it is, and that's where the financial planning helps is, is controlling that lifestyle as your income in, inflates and as your income grows, how do we make sure that you're not getting ahead of yourself? Or, or falling behind, right? Like it's no fun. The worst financial plan I've ever done was a, a lady that just literally saved money her whole life, never thought she had any money and died with multiple million dollars that she never got to enjoy that just kind of got fizzled out, right? And went to different charities, which was good, but but she never got to actually enjoy it. And and so, I, I you know, it, sorry, I don't really have a good number. <laughs> Right. Yeah, let Rex I'll, come on I'll in here. I'll chime in on that. All I'll right. chime in on that yeah. really quick. If you know, just just put an example. But if you're an individual and you have a dream and a tan van, then you might need. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Have, <laughs> you know, you might need to have five or ten million. You know, but, uh, somebody okay. like that. Yeah, <laughs> vans are expensive, so, Rex. <laughs> they are, especially when you get them souped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then, I just got it back, by the way. Expensive. Did so you? yeah, and it. Congratulations. It's running. That's so that's good. <laughs> Where did Brandon to, to answer your question? I probably shouldn't. Okay. I we see plenty of people in Utah, anywhere from a few hundred thousand dollars for retirement up, up to, I mean, obviously far past that, but, but typically between that and one, one and a half million dollars yeah. saved up for retirement is kind of typical of your average Utah, you know, that, that we come across. Obviously people have way less, people have way more. Um, but that's kind of the, the average yeah. range. Place matters too. If you're retiring in San Francisco or somewhere, yeah. that's a little different. Rex, did Brandon yeah. miss anything as far as financial planning and where do we put our money? Yeah. So I, so I don't think, I don't think Brandon missed anything on the planning. I, I do think as far as, as far as calculating, you know, part of financial planning is also calculating your net worth. A lot of people know what that has heard that term before. And some people, you know, have to calculate that for loans or lending or, or for different institutions for different reasons, whether it's estate planning or, or something along that line. But, but just to boil that down to its basics as well, when you're doing planning, you know, that's the best single number to track your progress throughout your life as to whether your net worth is increasing or decreasing based on your financial choices that you're making. And, and so your net worth, very simply put, is you take all of your assets and you add them up, you take all of your debt and you subtract that from your assets and that ends up being your net worth. And so 
you know, I think that's important when you're doing your planning as well to, to track that throughout the, the and, process. And we'll, we will calculate that and then project it based on the various scenarios you want to run. And, and that's what, I mean, that's some of the client's favorite parts, right? Is that we call it the mountain chart where you can see that growing and depleting or however your, your chart goes. And, and, you know, people ask us, when do I take social security? Should I take it at 62, full retirement age, 67 or age 70? And we can literally create the whole plan and then duplicate it side by side and say, this is what it looks like if you take it at 67. And this is what it looks like if you take it at 70. And here's where your assets break even, not just based on like dollar amount from social security, but with market returns, with taxes, the whole gamut of information, we can tell you where that break even is and really illustrate which decision makes the most sense for them. Uh, for more information, it's planwithbaxter.com. Going to Rex, where do we put money? What's our risk tolerance? How aggressive should we be? How does that work? So I think those are a lot of the variables when we're dealing with planning yeah. um, that, that we can influence, but sometimes can't control completely. And so I think determining your individual risk tolerance is important because the last thing you want to do is is put your money in into a too aggressive portfolio, get into some sort of market downturn, panic, and do the exact wrong thing at the wrong time. And that's what too many people do is is they, you know, they see the markets like the last couple of years, you know, just just going out of control upward, doing fantastic, phenomenal numbers. Next thing you know, their assets are, are you know, way overweighted towards stocks or towards equities. And, and they're taking on a lot more risk than they can handle. And then if a downturn happens, then all of a sudden they panic, sell out, and, and that's when you have a hard time recovering from. And so determining that, that risk tolerance is extremely important. That's the best way for you to control risk and to analyze that every single year. I think you know, that once we, once we determine the risk tolerance, then we can determine you know, how much money we have exposed to risk and how much money we have in the market. And, and then you can talk about individual products, whether you're talking about individual stocks, whether you're talking about you know, mutual funds or exchange trade funds or annuities or, or any of the other you know, myriad of investment products that are out there. Are you a, uh, you only live once, put it all in one basket? Uh, or do we spread <laughs> things out and uh, watch things grow in different baskets around? YOLO? Is that what you're is saying? That, yeah, that's so, YOLO this <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of diversification, right, of, of mixing that up. I think that there is oftentimes a confusion between diversifying your assets and diversifying um, your advisors and, and institutions. And a lot of that thought process comes from the Great Depression from parents or grandparents. Um, like people I, using I, multiple financial advisors? Right, okay. right. And I think a lot of times that turns out to be an enormous negative hmm. uh, because you get different advisors maybe counteracting or duplicating their efforts, thus creating more risk for you um, down the road. But as far as your investments go, absolutely. Um, you know, you should, you should definitely have them diversify. There's, there's sometimes on the radio you can hear, you know, some, some advisors or, or some people say, Oh, just go pick, you know, a, a good growth mutual fund or a good, you know, this mutual fund or the other or two or three of these. And next thing you know, when you look under the hood, 
they all they all own the exact same thing and that's not really diversification just because they have a different line item on your statement doesn't mean that it's diversification and so you really do need to to look and see exactly what you own understand why you own it and and just make sure that you're following a, a systematic process so um, i have a question am i am i diversified if i own uh Bitcoin, Ethereum, ICP, GTC, SNX, AMP, XTC, CRV. Is that, is that diversified? <laughs> so quick, quick answer would be no. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was just curious because maybe that's yeah. what it looks like right now. I don't know. <laughs> it might be. It might be for some people. I, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely hot markets like that, right? And, and people get excited and, and the next thing you know, they're, they're overextended. So Brandon, your thoughts on this? Yeah, to that point, there's multiple layers of diversification, right? You've got diversification of companies, which Brandon, that's what you were talking about, right? (laughs) You know, all in the same sector, but but multiple companies, right? And 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 definitely having multiple companies is better than than one, you know, just one. Um, but then you've got sector diversification, meaning do we have large cap? companies, mid cap companies, or small cap, meaning big companies, mid-sized companies, and small companies? Do we have international and domestic, right? There's there's a lot of different um, diversity within within sectors, and, and definitely we want all of that. Um, but then beyond that, um, beyond equities, right? We've got, we've got equities or stocks, then we've got bonds, and we've got high yield bonds, and, and government bonds versus corporate bonds. And so we got a lot of different, a lot of different sectors that we can choose from, and and it's important that we that we diversify that away. And, and that's where that's where financial planning helps so much, is we can actually go in and and figure out, you know, if we have to go through another two thousand eight, how long, how much do we need set aside in safer money in like the bond side of things to get us through a, another, you know, two thousand eight or another 2000 type scenario. And planning can ultimately comes down to what is your distribution rate on assets? So we can look, calculate that and figure out, you know, if we need to pull whatever that number is per year out of your retirement accounts, we wanna make sure that we've got enough set aside that we can go through a 2008 or go through a 2000 and not need to sell some of the more highly volatile assets. I had to switch cameras. I don't know what happened. My camera just turned off. So we're back. I'm now, now you see the up view here from my computer. Uh, that's very interesting. And then I kind of wanted to go to, to, this is financial planning basics. So why should people invest in stocks? Why should people invest in uh, mutual funds or real estate or bonds? What is, you know, what we should know what these items are before we put our money there. So who wants to take that? So I can I can take that for a second if you want, Brandon. We yeah. we actually did a podcast here not too long ago called "Mastering Your Assets." Yeah. For those that want to go back and, and revisit um, kind of definitions on all those asset classes that talk about bonds and real estate investment trusts, because they all are very unique investments and and have unique risks and return attributes to them. And and so I think I think that's part of the the advantage of using advisors is is lots of times people will put everything into into one area of the market and if that area of the market isn't doing well when you need to take distributions then you're forced into a negative hand you're forced into having to sell while things are down 
So I, I think on the planning side of things, when we're talking about financial planning, you know, there's so many variables, moving parts, whether it be distribution rates, whether it be, you know, market returns, it, it's interesting because somebody had brought us a financial plan here a few months ago and they said, hey, look, this other financial plan makes it look like I'm going to have, you know, $4 million. And we dug into it and somebody's using a 10, 11, 12% rate of return over, over 40 years on their assets. And, and that's great, right? That looks fantastic. But the chances that you're going to be able to maintain that with this particular person's risk level was highly, highly unlikely. Hmm. And, and so they probably needed to, to use a six or 7%, something much more reasonable on their rate of return. It looks so much better um, when you use a 12 though. <laughs> <It really does. laughs> So I'll do that better. on my own plan every once in a while. Like, yeah, what if? <laughs> yeah, what if? What if? I know you got you guys are, are. It's fun when you can do stuff like that. Uh, I think the way most people get maybe the, the first time they see the word stock or mutual fund or something like that. I'm put me on the big board here. I'm, you're looking up because I had to change cameras. The other one died. Um, is maybe through their company's 401k. And so you know, when should you consider? joining your 401k how do 401ks 401ks work and what if you leave the company when do you roll it into a Roth IRA or, or an IRA how do you take distribution Brandon you want to handle that yeah yeah so so as far as 401ks huge fan right especially if, if it has a match that is like the most efficient money you can do and and let me explain a match I, I'm sure most people understand that but it, worth going over not all but most companies if they offer you a 401k plan um, the the 401k plan alone is a benefit and and I, I get that a lot when I meet with people who you know they have a 401k at work but they don't offer the match and they're like well what's the point in, in saving into a 401k plan if they're not going to match me or give me any money if I participate and the answer to that right is I mean we've got so many, you know, business owners who will start a 401k just to have a 401k. Why do you start a 401k? You can have, there's incredible tax savings, right? If you're getting killed with taxes, you can add to the pre-tax side and defer your taxes, postpone them, push them off from this year and, and push them into retirement years, which is incredibly helpful. Um, or if you, if you're not getting killed with taxes, you can, you know, just not take a tax deduction, put it into the Roth side and you can save in 2022, you can save 20,500 um, before age 50. Once you're age 50, you can put $27,000 away in Roth money, Roth or pre-tax in, in a 401k. And, and that money literally grows tax-free and is tax-free as you pull it out on the Roth side. On the pre-tax side where you're getting the tax deduction, you pull it out and, and you actually you, you pay income taxes on it. And so which there's no right or wrong answer on it it really comes down to what's your tax bracket today versus where do we think it will be in retirement? And we can kind of talk through those things, but, but the 401k plan alone is highly beneficial. Now, a lot of 401k plans have what's called a match on top of that. And that can look, I mean, I've seen so many different matches, right? Sometimes it's, you know, you get matched hundred percent on the first 3%. So that what that means you save 3% of your income. So 3% of your gross check, Let's just easy numbers. Say your gross checks a thousand dollars. You save three percent. That's thirty bucks. If you have a match of three percent, your employer will will put another thirty. So even though you only put thirty into it, the employer matches and, and you're making a total contribution of sixty. 
Um, a lot of matches will be that that first 3% at 100 and then 2% after that, but only at 50%. So you do five, the employer does four. And essentially what you end up seeing is, is it's really quite easy to start saving 10% of your income. And we like to see people saving 10 to 15%. And when you get those employer matches in there, it's, it's incredible, right? It's a risk-free, almost 100% rate of return on your money year one, right? And, and, and so 401ks are extremely valuable, highly recommend people put them in. And then if you're young, you want to invest that aggressively, typically, right? If, if you're comfortable with, with the risk load, if you can let that move up and down, right? As you're contributing to it, it it's amazing how much that can grow. Most 401k plans now will default you to what's called a target date fund, right? So it'll be like a, a fund name and then it'll say 2030 or 2040 or 2050 or 2060. And that number represents the, the based on your age, the year that you should be retiring. And what they'll do is they'll just adjust the portfolio according to your age. And so if you don't want to get into the nitty gritty of it and, and kind of pick little funds here and there, that's probably one of the best ways um, to just kind of get started in the 401k plan. Oh, we have Dan. Dan, you made it to the podcast. We can't hear your audio. That's a bummer. Oh, but you look beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you look really good. Uh, so we're talking about 401ks, and this is a real-life question. Um, Rex or Brandon, whoever wants to take this, but when your – so my 20-year-old daughter came to me last night, Rex. I told her to text you. Uh, she <laughs> – she said, my, my company offers a 401k, but she pretty much knows for a fact she's not going to work there forever. And so she's like, should I start one? Why should I start one? So what happens to young workers who go through three, four, five, or six job changes to their 401ks if they've only been there six months, two years, or something like that? Is it worth starting a 401k at every job they're at? Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, all right, I'll take this. Yeah, so the answer is yes, because when you leave, you just take all the money out pay a ton of penalties and taxes, but you get a great vacation out of it. And so we recommend highly that people participate in all their form. Just kidding. No, it, 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 <laughs> I thought, no. wow, that's interesting advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never right. someone who said that. They're like, oh yeah, I live like a king on this. I mean, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, but no, in, in all reality, so you can act once you leave, like, once you leave, an employer, you really usually have three options. A, you can leave it there. If your balance is less than 5,000, a lot of times they'll start kind of nudging you and pushing you out. But most employers let you just kind of leave it in the 401k plan. That's not a bad option. Um, it gets a little bit scary because sometimes we see them just left there. Hmm. Um, and, and you know, we, we, and then they move, they change their phone number, right. and literally they've got this 401k balance who knows how it's invested and it's just sitting there. So that's a little bit dangerous. However, it's an option. Um, okay. You can take a full distribution, right? Like I said, and go on the vacation. You're going to pay, if you're younger than 59 and a half, you're going to pay a 10% penalty and then you're going to pay taxes on it. And, and that can really bump you into some high tax brackets depending on, you know, how much you have there. So we, we kind of, that's usually not a good option either. The other one is you can either roll it into an IRA or you can roll it into your new 401k plan. So if you've got a new 401k at work, like your new employer mm -hmm. offers a 401k, you can just bring that old one and drop it into the new 401k. If you want a little bit closer management of it and you, it, you know, you're getting closer to retirement, it's a bigger dollar amount. You don't want to just throw it in a target date fund at work. You can actually take that, roll it into an IRA. 
let's say you did a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k contributions, then you would open up a Roth 401k and a traditional 401k because the match is going to be pre-tax. And so now you'll have two IRAs. You'll roll your old 401k into those two IRAs. It's not going to be taxed or penalized, right? Because you're rolling it over. And then you just keep investing it and letting that grow. And and uh, and you got a lot of options, right? We can do Roth conversions. We can invest it in a myriad of ways. And so you've got, I guess what I'm saying is there are a lot of options. And yes, it's a good idea to start a 401k, even if you're not going to be there a long time. Yeah. Dan, <laughs> are you available? Let's see if we can get your... That's a bummer. I want to hear. Oh, there we go. I want to hear from Dan if Dan's mic is working about financial planning. Dan's been in the business a long time, and it looks like he's frozen. It kind of looks like a frozen vampire right there. Like the the lighting is weird, and the <laughs> camera is frozen. Literally frozen. <laughs> like literally frozen. Bummer. Bummer. It's cold. I tell you what, it is cold. Rex would know, uh, but it is cold outside. Uh, Rex is staying warm in in uh, in his area, I guess. Right. Yeah. All right. So what can you do? How much of how, what percentage of the money and and what I've learned from talking to you guys is everything depends. All right. Everything depends. You have to talk (laughs) to jobs. Yeah, I know. Like, give me a hard answer. Like it depends on what you're okay. I get it. It depends. All right. Uh, but that was a great impersonation by the way. Uh, if I'm, Okay, so I'll bring up um, my my daughter's example, Rex. So okay. she thinks, okay, well now I want to start if my for, if my company's going to four hundred one k match, but I'm also putting money aside personally. Uh, what's the total amount or, or the percentage I should be saving? I think Brandon, you said something like I'd like to see people saving ten or fifteen percent of their income. Is that like a golden rule? I mean, some people, I don't know, I don't know how they do it, can save up to like fifty percent or whatever. But you know, where where is it? You guys, as financial advisors, like to see people saving what percentage of that income that they make? So I I really like to see between ten to fifteen percent towards retirement is kind of the rule of thumb. Now, obviously, there's a lot of variables on that. Your age, um, you know, how much you've saved before, and and where you're at. Uh, so so you know, there's some people that we're working with that it needs to be 15 to 20 percent because they started so late, and we have other people that are starting young enough that if they do five and they get the employer match, then then that's probably going to be sufficient to to get them there, at least based on the current projections. But as, as a rule of thumb, you know, we like to see 10 to 15% towards retirement. And then above and beyond that, then we want, you know, then we have our other goals, whether it be a house, whether it be, you know, a, a vacation fund or a travel fund, or whether, you know, there's, if we're trying to retire prior to 59 and a half, then we may want some non-retirement funds to bridge that gap until we can access our 401ks and IRAs without penalties. So, so that's where the depends okay. comes in. That makes sense. That's good. So age ranges, anytime you start working up to, I mean, the, when you start approaching, what age do you start getting serious about putting money away? Are you in your forties or fifties when you're, when you're bumping that up to like 20% or something? Well, so if you start early enough, then you don't have to bump that up, right? Then you don't yeah. have to go through that. But we don't period. ever start early enough. <laughs> so start early. Okay, okay. Crowd, audience, yeah. group. All you so, 20-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Start early. You know, I, I think I think a lot of people 
you know, they're in their peak earning years, typically in their 50s. And lots of times they're starting to become empty nesters at that point. And so their their required expenses go down. Now their their living standard has increased and that's difficult um, yeah. to adjust and say, okay, I'm going to reduce my standard of living and and because I haven't saved enough over the years. And so now all of a sudden I need to save 10, 12, 15, 18, 20%. Um, however, we have a lot of people to do that. You know, we have you know, one group that we're working with right now that, uh, you know, she's 55, wants to retire this next year at 56. He's 58 and wants to, to retire this next year. Well, not retire, but go from full-time to part-time for about three years. And, and so we're running a lot of different scenarios, but, um, you know, she's saving 25% of, of her income so that she has the flexibility and ability to retire, you know, at, at such a young age at 56. So it depends on what you're trying to do and how big of a priority you're putting that on, on life. If you want to retire that early, then, then you've got to pay the price and save, save a bunch or inherit a bunch or, or, you know, inherit a bunch. <laughs> it's my financial you know? way to go. You found my financial plan. I'm just going to find somebody <laughs> who I don't know, who's just going to give right. me a bunch of money. Uh, I look at this, this is okay. So dieting. All right. Um, we've all been there, you know, uh, and we all think, okay, I'm going to count the calories. I'm going to attack this. And then you like, say like, I'm going to, I'm living off 500 calories a day. I'm crushing it. And of course it's impossible. And so every now and then, you know, you find people that might be putting too much away and they're just not living in the moment. Like what do you see that? And how much is that where they're like, I'm putting away 30 to 50% of their income. And you're like, you're, you can't keep this up. You've got to live a little bit. Yeah. And that's where the planning comes in. Yeah. Cause typically that's driven by fear. Yeah. Almost always. Oh, okay. And, 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 and fear, uh, the, the planning takes the fear out of it. Right. And, and mm. even I've been amazed how often I've done financial plans that have been very, you know, they haven't saved and, and, and the outcomes maybe aren't as, as perfect as, as you'd want. Right. Most, most planning, most planning conversations are really good. Like, Hey, we got this, this, we do this, this, and this, and we're, we're there. Um, every once in a while, that's not the case. Right. And they haven't saved enough, but, many, but the planning, Brandon, Brandon, how many times you look at somebody and be like, you're screwed. All right. This is not, <laughs> I tried way, not way better than that. Um, <laughs> okay. like, oh, no, no, it, it, uh, <laughs> no. So it really, really, it, it, most people think their situation is dramatically worse than it is. And even just taking that fear off the table, even if it's a, hey, we've got to get serious here and and really reduce your spending, it, it almost feels good just to know what that dollar amount is. Mm -hmm. And how do we do that? We set a spending or a, like a, a savings goal, right? If, if your income, let's say you're spending 6,000 a month and we need to get you down to 4,500 per month, we're going to start saving more into the 401k, more into the IRAs, that more or less, and, and maybe even gradually over time, right, and incrementally increase that until we just kind of slowly wean you down from where you're at to where you need to be. And the savings, ironically, isn't so much about building up assets as it is controlling the spending. And, and, and by setting measurable goals, right, budgets, 
everyone last time I say this, they don't work, right? Like they might work for like a small percentage of people, but by and large, they just don't work, right? Like it's like a new year's resolution that, that might work for a month or two and then it's done. But when you can set firm, hard goals and say, all right, we need to increase our 401k savings to 8%. And if we can do 8%, sure there's going to be less in the checking account, but we're, it's going to get us on track to where we're actually going to have a full and, and happy retirement and be able to sustain our current lifestyle into perpetuity. And that's what it's about is, is taking the uncertainty and taking the fear out because there's no reason to save dramatically more than you need to. Mm. I mean, that it, you want to spend it when you're young enough to enjoy it, right? Like no, that's we don't good want, to hear. Yeah. The goal of a financial plan is not to hit age 90 with the most money. No, <laughs> that's why I spent all the money I made for years. <laughs> all right, so this is, we're just covering the basics here. Uh, for more information, visit planwithbaxter.com. Uh, get in touch with Brandon Rex or Dan. Brandon, do you have some more numbers for us to enjoy? You got it. How about overspending? Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, the no national such debt, thing. This is, this is from the Treasury Department. There's such a thing. Um, <laughs> the, the national debt of the United States was... A lot. Brandon, do you want to take a guess at it? Tri- trillions. Yes. Trillions. But I don't know how many trillions, but tri- like I know, three trillion or something? I don't know. What did you say? Three. Three trillion? Oh, more than that. More than that. Um, so the national debt of the United States was $29.495 trillion. Ah, okay. Um, as of the close of business Thursday, December 30th, 2021. Is that That's one of those intro- websites you can just watch the debt crank up on like a clock? <laughs> it is. I didn't yeah. pull it from that. that one. Okay, yeah. Yes, they're out That's there. Pretty great. <laughs> um, that, that's an increase of $1.75 trillion in 2021. Okay. Okay. Let's, can we just address this really fast? As a, as, a, as a person that should be worried about saving for their retirement, do we need to worry about our country's fiscal mess that we're in as far as the debt load will that come back because we always say oh well, our children are going to well, our children have not paid have we paid and no one's paid is anybody ever going to pay like how does this ever affect us should we be concerned what do we do is this like thinking well there's going to be a nuclear war it's a matter of time like is it is it like a catastrophe that's all that's coming or you know where do we it could fall? be okay. right like at the rate that we're going it's unsustainable however when you calculate, I mean, our, we the, the U.S. economy is incredibly strong. Is $30 million or $30 trillion too much for our economy to handle? The answer actually, based on interest rates, is no. We, we can handle that relatively comfortably now. If we keep growing it at this rate, that's not sustainable and, it, and it's not going to end well. If we can simply, and this is a... But if we could just, let's say we balance the budget within five years, it's almost like a retirement plan, right? If we can curb our appetite to where we just stop increasing it, we can grow into that 20 trillion and actually manage that and sustain that. And it's not, you know, too much. Um, Really what it's going to take though is we just got to control our spending And, and, and neither side does, right? I mean, everyone out there is just spending money. And so is it something to worry about? Yes, right? Should we try and push for a little bit more fiscal control? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is it something to throw out retirement planning about? 
No, right? Do we do we maybe lean towards making Roth conversions, right? And 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 control how much of our money will be taxed in future years? Absolutely, right? And that drives a lot of people's decision to make those Roth conversions. Um, but I don't think it's something that we need to lose sleep over. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, Brandon, that doesn't mean you can just go spend all of your money right now because of the national debt and use that as your as your escape debt. So. I, I am looking for excuses right now. That's yeah. Uh, we got about five minutes left in this podcast. What, um, you know, why should we consider using a financial planner instead of doing this stuff ourselves? Because I don't want to have to pay a financial planner. So that would mean that, um, you know, I lose all this money because I'm paying a financial planner, right? Why should I go to planwithbaxter.com and have somebody else do all of this for me? Well, that, that's a, that's a great question. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick short stab and then I'll pass it over to, to Brandon and talk right. a little bit about how we get paid and, and the fees. But but I will tell you that as we go through financial planning, you know, we we typically end up, you know, saving more than what they're spending. And so as we go through different tax strategies, as we go through uh, different techniques and, and we, we make these minor tweaks and changes in their financial life that that typically it ends up saving them significant dollars over their life, um, significantly more than than anywhere close to what they're paying for an advisor. And so, I I think I think that's the simple answer as far as that goes. But Brandon, do you want to go into kind of how we get paid and and, yeah. and your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, really two two sides of, of how we get paid and, and, and Rex and I are, are some of the least pushy people in the world, right? We're never going to twist anyone's arm into try climbing, try climbing with Rex one day. I'll tell you, he can be pushy. <laughs> Push no, me but, up a few, a few routes. I've been there and that's the good kind of pushy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so there's the, the financial planning side right if, if you we and we've got clients that will come to us and, and literally only want to do a financial plan I, I just want to pay you to tell me the best thing to do um those and then we've got clients that want both and then we've got clients that just want us to manage their assets and so if, if someone wants to do the financial plan and and we we probably don't charge nearly enough on the financial plans, but, but we, we, we like to do them for people because it gives them incredible peace of mind. It typically makes them a better investor and it helps us have more confidence in the strategies we choose when we invest their assets. And so a financial plan to really go through the cash flows, figure out spending, um, figure out social security, Roth conversions, things like that. It not always, but we typically feel it or charge a pretty minimal fee of about $50 per month. And we ask that they do that for a year. So $600. Um, and, and then, you know, if you're, if you feel good about it, then we stop doing the planning and maybe we just manage assets. A lot of times we find that people want to continue planning for two or three years, just because so much starts changing and it just takes some time for them to really find what they want to do. Um, but, but a, a, a typical financial plan is, is just that 50 bucks a month. I, I darn near pay that for my uh, car wash unlimited monthly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, <laughs> and that's something I don't know. Like, it, is it worth dramatically more than that? Yes. Do other advisors charge way more for a far less product? Yes. You know, but, but I, I it's something that we, we're somewhat passionate about and we, we feel like it's the right thing to do. And, well, and, and that so costs, we, <clears throat> that costs, sorry, Brandon, that, 
that cost obviously is going to vary slightly based upon how complex your situation is. Right. right. And so yeah. if, if you do have a more complex situation, you know, you own a business, you uh, own, you know, different pieces of rental properties and real estate, uh, you know, if we're dealing with, you know, second, second, third, fourth, fifth marriages, um, you know, th things like that, that, that start to get a little more complex, then, then obviously that, that fee is going to be set appropriately. Um, but, yeah. but for just the general, general public and general group, we, we really do try and keep that, that fairly attractively priced. So. Yeah. Just like you guys, fairly attractive. Fairly attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, and on That's that note, yeah. Anything else that we well, forgot on basic finances or financial yeah, planning? So, so, so the, you got on the fees. So the financial yeah. planning side, right? We we do that monthly charge, maybe a year um, or two, um, and then after that, the other side of it is the asset management. Oh yeah. And and the way we do that, I think, is is one of the 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 wisest ways whether you work with us or work with another advisor, um, the incentives matter, right? And, and so the way we set this up is, is so that we will bill you as a percentage of assets. Um, it, typically, and that, that percentage can range, but it's usually between one and one and a half percent, depending on how many assets we, we manage for you, right? The more you have with us, the more we, we try and discount that, that fee for you. But, but, and that's billed monthly, one twelfth of one. So if it's 1%, we bill one twelfth of 1%. What that means is that we don't have long-term contracts. We're not, you know, the, the basically our, almost our entire client base could walk away from us, right? And not, not pay any surrender penalties or, or contract charges or anything like that. Um, it just feels good to have clients there with us because they like us. They like the performance. They like the service. And, and we're not, you know, handcuffing them to us, which isn't, I mean, you'd be amazed at how often you look at, at what people are in and they're literally signed up for three, five, seven, even 10 year contracts where if they move the money away from the advisor, they have to pay a fee to do that. But, but we, we set it up that way. And then the other thing that does is, is it allows us, it aligns our, our, our interests, right? So mine and Rex's goal is to grow your account as efficiently and effectively as possible because the bigger your account is, the more we get paid and the happier you are. And, and so when we sit down with a client, we're sitting down at the same side of the table. And when we say, hey, we really think we ought to switch this ETF for this one or this mutual fund for this one, th there's no question in their mind, right? We're doing that to drive performance, to drive risk rated return. Um, and, and they're not, you know, there's no back end commissions that are getting paid out that, that, you know, is driving or maybe influencing our decision. And so really those are, those are the two main ways that, that we get paid. And we try and be very upfront, right? When we sit down with clients, that's typically in the first 10 to 15 minutes, first meeting, we say, this is how we get paid financial planning, asset management. We'll let you choose. We're never going to hold you, you know, hold your feet to the fire yeah. and, and force you into either one of them. I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much, you guys. I Listen, I hope those of you watching have learned something. I appreciate you watching or listening to this podcast. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. If you're not watching on YouTube, you can see all of our beautiful faces on the YouTube uh, uh, at the Banyan Collective, even Dan's momentarily. Dan was on for a minute and then he's, he <laughs> popped off there. But uh, well, hopefully, hopefully we get Dan back on. So yeah, we'd love to to grow our our YouTube channel. It's the Banyan Collective. 
go ahead and subscribe. Hit the little alert button so then you will be alerted to any new podcasts and the lives as well. So, uh, Brandon, Rex, thanks so much for this episode of Through the Pines, reminding you to use yesterday's dollars to finance tomorrow's dreams. <laughs>